Amen. Well, you guys will find on your seat, there's a little card with some notes. And uh, for the parents in here, on the back, there's a little faith talk, a, a discussion guide. Uh, if you're new to this setting, we, we give that out to each of the youth and parent meetings, just a, a way to create a conversation uh, with, with, your, with your teens about some of the things that we're talking through in youth ministry. And so uh, youth, you guys can expect that coming your way and participate in that with, with joy uh, as they're just tracking with what the Lord is doing in, in your heart. And, and that's part of... Uh, this, this, this coming to a place of reality, which is our, our series we're, we're launching tonight titled Get Real. And I don't know about you, but that kind of felt like a bit of a 90s phrase for me. And so I, I threw a cassette tape for the, the teaching series on there. One, one, of, one of the first places that I, I served in the church was in the cassette tape duplication ministry. So I head up to the book nook and uh, duplicate those messages uh, after the service. Um, but, you know, there, there, there's this interesting development that's happening around the time of the 90s where there, there's a thirst for something authentic, a thirst for reality, right? There, there's, there's, there's been a lot of consumerism as the nation kind of grows economically and, and people have more and more stuff and you got television has just kind of taken off and entered into a bunch of different homes. But after a while, there's this, there's this yearning in, in young people's hearts around that time for, for something that's real. And, and, and you see it in some of the songs uh, that come from that time period. I, I don't know why, but several of you, uh, you track with uh, Nirvana's song, Smells Like Teen Spirit. And one of the lines from that is, here we are now, entertain us. Right? That, that's just the, the feel of life. It's just, an, it's just a big show. It's just one big entertainment experience where nothing is real. Um, and and it's, it's interesting to watch um, advertisers and, and different uh, television programs try to, to grapple with this experience. And so you had also in the 90s the advent of reality TV. And you had this series, The Real World, started up in 1992. And what they would do, uh, this actually continues. I, th I think there's another season of The Real World coming on MTV in, in the fall of 2018. Uh, but they would, they would take a bunch of uh, young adults and and, and they would transplant them into another city, and they would set them up in some luxurious apartment, and everything would be filmed, and all the relational drama, and all the, the mess that's getting worked through uh, as they're in a, in a new place, and, and learning to live with complete strangers would all be caught on camera, and would show up on your TV screen as something real. But as one season after another would, would come and go for, for the real world, people began to have some suspicions about it. Some of that seems a little too staged. And as people would interview some of the, the contestants that had been on the show afterward, they, they'd find out about producers kind of creating circumstances and, and, and prompting fights and saying, hey, can you rehearse that? And, and actually supplying lines for them to, 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 to do for the show. And, and reality has that quality to it. it it's almost like it, it, if, if it proves a little bit elusive. If you try to have it too hard, you, you miss it. I mean, people who really want to be authentic and they want to have this air of kind of just not caring, it's really because they care very desperately. It's, it's almost like you know, the cool factor 
people who try too hard to be cool, and, and you know, it's just, it gets real clunky, it gets, it gets awkward, and, and reality has that mystery to it. Uh, but, but this is something that we have been struggling with ever since. I mean, so you have the, the advent of the internet, and with that, uh, Photoshop shows up soon, and you have the ability to manipulate and to edit images and to, you know, to, to kind of uh, airbrush people's images and make them look more attractive than they really were. And, th and then you can kind of create these, these images that uh, just totally ridiculous scenarios of somebody walking across the Grand Canyon, right? And then, and then it comes to a point where by now we're so used to this this is just so normal for our, our experience that it, it becomes a little tough to know what exactly we should believe. Uh, there, there was somebody that sent me this email uh, recently that had this, this image in it, and, and the title of the picture was uh, God Parting the Sky, and you can kind of see the outline of the fingers right at the place where the sun is coming through, and, and, and it had a storyline behind it about somebody driving down the interstate and, and how pictures like this are popping up all over the country, and I wasn't sure what to make of this, right? Part of me wants to believe that, I mean, it looks lovely. You know, maybe there's just this special communication from God in the sky as to how he's, he's right there and he's available, uh, or maybe that's a Photoshop job. But the thing is, you, you can't really know because this has become so common. And then, and then you have the advent of clickbait more and more, right? So you got these kinds of headlines. Supermodels apply these three simple tricks to, to look young. Click to know what they are. Or I had no idea why this guy dumped weird goo all over his car, but now I'm completely jealous. I bet you would be completely jealous if you clicked on through to, to, to find that headline and it wouldn't be disappointing at all. Uh, and then you have these, these, these circumstances where people are actually claiming to, to artificially create these, these viral videos that hit the news. And so you had one that, that came out uh, last year, and it was called Rat Pizza. Did anybody see that? Rat pizza, it was like somebody supposedly came across uh, this rat in a, in a, in a subway and, and he, was, he was carrying off the pizza down the steps, it's larger than his own body and bringing it on. Well, there is, there is this uh, internet personality named Zardulu who claims this is her rat that she has trained to be able to do this and that she's going around the country setting up these scenarios, getting the timing just right after rat, rat pizza came rat selfie. And so this rat you know, took a picture of itself right up there with its nose. Now, who knows if, if Zardulu is just the, the latest internet troll fooling us all with her attempts. But, but this is the kind of the circumstances that we find ourselves in today. What really is real? And there's a lot of talk about fake news and the, the, the different perspectives and the spin that's put on storylines. And Facebook has come under, I mean, Facebook has come under uh, a lot of criticism because of the, the multiple uh, fake accounts that they've hosted that are just spamming people's feeds with 
uh, political influence about stuff that, that isn't even true and it's just some bot or it's somebody in Indonesia who's paid like $2 an hour to just keep reposting these articles. And so th this can be a bit of a dizzying effect. And, and after a while, we kind of learn to, to distrust everything and to see through everything. And, and we can become a little bit cynical about everything. Here's the question. In, in the, the whirlwind of fake that surrounds us, is there something that we can know with certainty? Is it all just fake news or, or is there good news that we can lay hold of, that, that we can have assurance about? Because here's a concern I, I have as I, I track with young people in youth ministry and, and some who have graduated and kind of moved on to the next stage, they conclude about this setting that I'm not sure all this was real. I'm not sure when people gathered together in a room and there were lights and there was music and somebody was giving a message, how much of that was just my emotions? How much of that was just the experience of being in a crowd? And, and, and they have to wrestle with that because there's a whole culture and a world around us telling us this is all just one big myth. And so I, th I think our series is gonna be timely for us. I think it's gonna be timely, especially for those of you who are just stepping in uh, to youth ministry and stepping into this next season that God has for your life. Um, we're going to turn to 1 John, the letter of 1 John. And this is a book that's all about reality. It's a book about getting something real. It's a book about certainty in confusing times. You have certain words that appear throughout this letter. Words like know and, and to perceive. And nouns like persuasion, confidence, boldness, assurance. This is a letter that was written so that you can know something. And that's always important to pay attention to. If you read the Bible and, and you're stepping in, maybe you're, you're gonna start a new book in just your everyday Bible reading, which I hope you're doing, uh, something to ask is, why was this written? What's it trying to get done? What is it trying to convince me of? And, and typically a study Bible will help you with that. Uh, but sometimes, and John is a little bit famous for this, they just come right out and tell you why they, they've written this. And so 1 John 5, flip over to chapter 5, verse 13, writes this. Why are you writing this letter, John? Well, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And there is no more important question that you can get an answer for than that. I mean, this, this life, and it's, it's hard to believe this. It's hard to feel this where you are in life right now. But it is so short Right? Things feel like what the, what's right in front of your nose, what's immediately accessible to you, the next thing that comes streaming through your feet, that's what feels like it matters. 
And the, the latest text message that's popped up and, and given you anxiety about what would that person mean by that, that can feel like the whole world in any given moment. But listen, this life, however many years we have, is short. And eternity is very, very long. It goes on forever. Those of you who've sat through the Alpha Course, you, you remember Mr. Frank's famous kind of dash and line example that here's the little bit that we have on this earth and then eternity begins. And, and, and knowing what we have, whether or not that's real and whether or not we really have eternal life makes all the difference. And, and, and there, there are two things that can challenge answering this question. Right? Sometimes when, when people wonder, is this, is this real? They want to know, okay, is, is this true? I've, I've been told this my life. I've been around places where I've heard this, but is there good reason to believe this? Or is this real? But there's a second question, and I, I've met with several people just in the past week who've raised this about themselves. Am I real? Am I the real Deal. Do I, do, I, do I really know Christ? And, and there's some difficulty that can, the concept of that has to do with assurance of salvation. Being sure that you're saved. And, and there are a few things that are in, in 1 John and that are in our lives that, that can make that a challenge. And one is the reality of, of being a second generation Christian. And, and, and this would probably be true for many of you. And a, a few of you might maybe come from backgrounds where uh, your, your family or one or more of your parents aren't believers. But for, for many of you, you've grown up around this. Church settings. And listen, I'm, I'm a church kid. I, I'm, I'm in your shoes. I know what it's like. I also know some of the struggle that this creates. Because for, for my parents, neither one of them grew up in strong Christian homes. Definitely not my mom. I mean, her, her story of coming to Christ is just so radical. Turn your life around, experiencing miracles, your entire world shifts. I mean, that's just a visible demonstration of something happened to her that was real. But, you know, Jesus loves me, this and that, for the Bible tells me so. I've, I've grown up around that, and maybe you have as well. And it's interesting that this is the place that some of this original audience finds themselves in as well. So flip back to chapter one, where this letter begins. This is how John opens up. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. And he holds you in suspense. What are you talking about, man? You talk about seeing things, you talk about hearing things, you talk about touching things and, and holding them. The word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest 
to us, right, he's talking about Jesus there. He's talking about the incarnation. He's, he's saying, we were witnesses to this. We knew him. We, we walked with him. We, we saw the miracles that he performed right before our eyes as he took water and he turned it into wine and he took five loaves and two fish and miraculously multiplied it and fed 5,000 people. We, we were there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. We were up close and personal to him. Right? He's, he's appealing to his own witness to these things. And something that's interesting, if you read the Gospels, there's a lot of names that show up. A lot of people like, you know, blind Bartimaeus or Jairus or just different people that, the, the point of this is the, the, these, are, these are guys that you can, you can go and talk to them. You could ask them questions. Tell me about the time where Jesus showed up and raised your 12-year-old daughter back to life. It's appealing to their testimony here. And that's impressive. I mean, I, I think any of us would want to be there in that first generation of disciples walking with Jesus, interacting with him, seeing him minister and reach people. But notice what he says. Right? That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and, and, and there's a little word there in the language there, you could, you could render that even to you, even to people like you, we proclaim the same thing, right? You Gentiles living in this city called Ephesus who never knew the historical Jesus, who, who were, you, you guys were totally oblivious when he was walking around on this earth and, and working wonders. And he's saying, you can have the exact same thing. We don't have any advantage over you guys. Everything that we touch. What do you mean, John? You, you rested your head on Jesus' shoulder. And he says, that same fellowship that I had with him, it's yours. You can have it. As well, this is amazing here. The second thing that can make knowing whether or not we are real a bit of a challenge is is another possibility that this letter introduces, which is that it's it's possible to have fake faith. Look what he says in chapter two, verse nineteen. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they're not of us, all right? That can maybe be a little tough to track with. What is he saying there? He's, he's talking about people who said they were Christians, people who said, I, I'm joining the Jesus movement. I'm, I'm coming to church. I'm part of the group. I'm, I'm around. When, when you guys are getting together, you're doing potlucks, y'all are meeting in people's homes, these are people who were right there with you. Maybe they stayed up late and prayed for you at night. And then years go by, and they're gone. They're nowhere to be found. Right, that, that will unbolt you a little bit. That'll make you question, like, what happened? 
And, and what John is saying is, it was never real for them to begin with. It looked like it. They, they talked the same way. They came to church, but they weren't of us. They didn't have it on the inside of them. It just was all one big show. And listen, some of the, some of the most enthusiastic and passionate young people that I've known, or at least so it seemed, they think all oh, this is one big joke now. It didn't last. Or some relationship that they wanted to have, or some perceived freedom, some ability to get away from their parents and get away from the rules and get away from the stuff that they felt was constricting them and just weird to believe. And people who do that kind of thing are weird. It just took a little bit for that to become undone for them. And, and listen, that, that ought to unsettle us a little bit. That, that should disturb us a little bit. One, th this is a letter that's written to encourage us, but it's also written to make us ask about ourselves. Am I just going along with the show? Right, that's a challenge that we have here. And so th th it's, a, it's a letter written to help us get real. And how do, you, how do you test for that? How do you know if you're real? Well, that's something that we find here. And you, and you find three things that are mentioned here. Three tests in the letter of 1 John. And, and, and we're not going to just move through this book, you know, one verse after another. We're just going to take some time to look at each one of these and each one of our, our messages for this series. But they are to believe God's truth, to obey God's commands, and to love God's People and, and those things, they're not just kind of random and just, I don't know, let me, let me pick from a list. Why don't we have these? Uh, each one of them kind of corresponds to a different person in the Trinity. We, we should believe God's truth about his son, about Jesus, who is the truth. We, we should obey God the Father's commandments, and we should love God's people as the Holy Spirit uh, leads us to do that and builds community. And so in other words, these are, the, these are the ingredients that show the reality of God in us. And here's the main idea. Right, if we believe we are sinners rescued by Jesus, and if this leads us to obey God and love other believers, we can know that we have real faith. And, and, and that's where he wants us to land. It's not about just questioning these things on and on. It's about having assurance. God has done something to me because there are beliefs that matter to me and there is obedience in my life and there are people that, humanly speaking, I wouldn't care about and the world around me tells me to write them off and yet I just find that I love them because God is in them and therefore God is in me as well. And so, rest of our time tonight, just to look at that first one uh, real faith. What you believe matters. And listen, not just that you believe something, because a lot of people believe a lot of things. And, and there's a lot of emphasis today on, on being a believer, 
Believe, just believe, right? Just follow your dreams. Believe that anything that you set your mind to, you can do. Or that's not enough. There has to be. What, what do you believe? You don't just have faith. Faith is, is a trust, right? If I just say, I trust, what? <laughs> Who do you trust? It, it's, it's directed toward a person, toward certain realities. And, and, and the Bible teaches there's a right way to believe. And there's also a wrong way to believe. There is truth and there is falsehood. And, th- and that feels strange. Kind of the, 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 the culture that defines tolerance as anything that somebody feels makes life meaningful to them. And, and it, you know, it kind of makes sense to them. It sets them on their, their own journey that that's something we should affirm and something that we should celebrate. And, and just so to say that, you know, there, there are certain things that you need to believe and there are other things you need to stop believing. You need to move away from them and come to the truth, right? That, that feels increasingly strange, in the world that we live in. And sometimes um, believers have a challenge even with just sharing the gospel because of that. Because it's like, I know on some level that they need to come to trust in Jesus, but I don't really feel like I'm in a position of saying, yeah, but you need to move away from what you have right now. You, You need to empty your hands in order to have life. But this is a major agenda for the Apostle John here in, in, in this letter. Christianity is a life. It's a reality within. It's more than just a set of beliefs, but it's not less than that. It, there are certain beliefs, beliefs that matter. And, and the first thing that John teaches us here is that what you believe about Jesus matters. He writes, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God God abides in him, and he in God. And he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. But born of God means new birth. It means spiritual awakening. It means there's something real on the inside of you. What's the evidence of that? You believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Son of God. So he's saying that you, you believe that God really did come to earth in human form, that Jesus of Nazareth was no mere man, that he was the creator of the universe, strapping on a human body and human emotions and a human mind and walking among us. And John is saying, you need to believe that. You need to believe Contrary to Muslims and contrary to Jews and Hindus and everybody else who wants Jesus to be a nice guy and a good teacher and maybe a prophet from God but nothing else. No, you need to believe that he was God's son, that he was God himself. And not only that, you need to believe that he is the Christ. What's that? You know, Christ is not Jesus' last name wasn't Mary and Joseph Christ and Jesus Christ. Uh, the Christ is a title. It was, it was, it was a role. It was, it was kind of the hero. You, you, could, you could substitute the Christ for the hero. 
the, the person everybody's waiting for and everybody's longing for, the person who's going to rescue us, the fulfillment of all of our hope and our expectation, the, the one that God has planned to put everything right in the world, he is the Christ. He's the Savior. Saying, saying okay, that role, that person, nobody else gets to have that position in your life. Nobody else gets to be the object of your hope and your affection and, and, and the one that you're looking to to fix you and complete you. There's, there's one person who gets to play that role, and that is Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Is that how you see him? Just, just think about when you read the Gospels. I hope you do this. What kind of person do you encounter there? Some cartoon Jesus? Right? Some kind of just familiar idea but doesn't have a lot of details that are filled in beyond that? Or, or is there someone who is compelling? One of the things that John said about Jesus is that, that we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I'm writing these things down so that you can see him as well. When you, when you hear his words, do you treat them like these are God's words? What Jesus says, written on these pages, is God himself speaking authoritatively into your life to be believed and to be obeyed. Is there anybody else in your life, any other person whose, whose attention you want more than Jesus, the Christ? And listen, we're all gonna struggle with that. What, what, what he's describing here is real faith and not perfect faith. But there should be some sense of, that's who he is to me. I've taken him to heart, I, I trust, not just generically, my trust, my hope is in Jesus. And, and he has some pretty serious things to say about people who disagree, right? Look at this, chapter two, verse 22. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That's not some neutral position. You either believe the truth or you are a liar, you speak what is false. Either Jesus is the only hope for humanity or we are saying lies about him. And then he says this in, in chapter four, by this you know the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, right? Antichrist in, in John isn't just some, some weird dude in weird movies with 666 on his head. Uh, it's actually something that was already there. He's talking about the spirit of the Antichrist already present here. And, and, and what is that? It's anybody who's, who's saying that Jesus is not the Christ, right? Which you have heard is coming is now in the world already. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever's not from God, who's not real, this just goes right over their head. 
Nothing registers. They don't believe. They do not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And, and it wasn't too long. Right? John's writing this uh, probably about the, the 90s uh, AD, right? So the, the, toward the end of the first century. And, and there's a lot of false ideas about Jesus that have already been present. People who wanted to include Jesus in some way who thought, yeah, he was a great guy. God did something really special to him. Was he the Christ? Was he God in flesh? Well, I don't know about that. So there's this guy named Serenthus, which, I mean, if you look like that, you kind of already know you're you're a bit of a villain, right? So uh, a lot of what is is being written against in this, he's not like some goblet and and hand motions. I don't know what kind of spells he's doing. But so a lot lot of, of... John is kind of shadow boxing this guy in this letter. And, and Serenthus was, a, was, a, was a, a teacher who said, yeah, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, he's a great guy, just a man, really awesome dude. But when, when he was baptized, the spirit of the Christ came down and anointed him. You guys remember the story in Jesus' ministry where the Holy Spirit comes down and descends on him and a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. All right, so right that moment, he kind of had this unique presence about him. Real special. Uh, and, and God worked wonders through him right up to the point where then he was crucified. And that's when it gets kind of nasty. And, and who wants a hero who dies a really embarrassing and shameful and gruesome death. So what must have happened then is, well, then the spirit of the Christ left him. And the man, Jesus, died on the cross. And so what he's denying, he's denying the incarnation. He's denying that Jesus was the Son of God manifested in the flesh. He still wants to include Jesus in some way. But the parts about that that make him uncomfortable, that really weren't acceptable to Greek culture, which, you know, uh, this physical gruesome death for your Savior to go through that, Paul says that that is a scandal, that is nonsense, that is foolish to the Greeks. And so Serenthus said, no, nah, we don't need that, that part of this. But we can still hold that Jesus is a special guy. That's who John probably has in mind when he says, that dude is the Antichrist. That man is a liar because he's denying what's at the very heart of our faith. And, and one of John's disciples named Polycarp tells a story of, of a time when John was in a, in, in a bathhouse. Uh, people had, they were like these, these kind of like a swimming pool essentially back in, 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 the, in Roman culture. And he finds out that Serenthus is in the same bathhouse and he says, we got to get out of here because God may have this thing fall down any moment and I don't want to be here <laughs> when it turns to rubble. But, but this, this man who, who, who's a, the apostle of, of love and loved people, he, he held these things as deadly serious. You can't get Jesus wrong and get real at the same time. What you believe about him matters. And so he says in chapter five, verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed the testimony God has borne concerning his Son. 
This is the testimony. God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. This is a life or death matter. And so he's telling us, do not trade in what is true, what you can be certain about in a world of confusion, right? Final uh, thought about what we believe matters. What we believe about Jesus matters and what we believe about ourselves matters as well. Look at what he says in chapter one again, verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And again, he writes, if we say we've not sinned, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. What do we have to come into agreement with God about? We have to come into agreement with the fact that we're not okay. That we have a massive problem there is something fundamentally wrong with us. That we are in the wrong. And this is something else that feels foreign in the world and the culture that we live in. That, that trains us. And, and it's not like you sign up for these classes, you know, uh, self-esteem 101 and sit down and, and receive this and take notes to it. You just watch TV and you listen to songs and you pull out your Instagram feed and you are inundated left and right with the, the thought that the, the nicest thing anybody can ever do for you is celebrate you and tell you how you are just perfect just the way you are. And, and I get where that's coming from a little bit, right? Because people can be mean. And people can be critical and, and, and people can, can make fun of people for just terrible reasons. But, but now what we, we've come to adopt is the most loving thing we can do for anyone is tell them, you don't need to change at all. Could you imagine how livable that is? I mean, could you imagine if, if that's, that's how uh, in, in employers treated their employees, no matter what they did, it's like you, you just went into the bathroom and took a mop and, and dipped it in the toilet water and used that to clean the sink. But nothing about you is wrong. That's a real life situation. I won't, uh, I'll protect the guilty uh, for that. But you don't, need, you, don't need to, you don't need to move on from where you are, right? It, it, that, that, that'd be a bit of a challenge for parents to treat their kids that way. Toddlers on the floor throwing a tantrum. You're, every, everybody is just fine just the way that we are, right? It doesn't make sense. But, but on some level, we, we don't like that. We don't want to have to confront that in ourselves, right? That, that's, that's why we choose fake over real. That's why we do all the attempts to take the picture before it's posted and edited and layer on all the, the filters, that's why we, we hide. That's why we, we're, we're desperately scared for people to really know us. Because we, we don't want any sense of evaluating me and finding that I don't measure up. Finding that you would be disappointed in me in some way. 
And that's, that's tough. And I've said this to you guys before. What, what teenagers often, what they desperately want is, they, is they, they want to be known through and through. They want to be known for, you know, warts and all and, 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 and to be loved all the same. We, we, we want acceptance, but so often, it's like you can't have both of those. You can't have both honesty and belonging. You can't have reality and approval. And so what we tend to do is we trade one for the other. But the, the gospel of God's acceptance begins by saying, be honest with yourself. Honest before God. You, you need to come into agreement with God. And until you do that, you, you won't realize why Jesus is the only person who can play that role of being your savior. Why you need something that's so much more than just a life coach that'll give you some nice tips and, and help you turn things around and give you inspirational thoughts to face your day, right? Why you needed that bloody, gruesome death that Serinthus found so offensive because that was what our sin required. And it's only when we are honest about who we are that then we get what John welcomes us into here is fellowship, acceptance, acceptance before God and acceptance with one another will only realize that we need a savior is if we're willing to begin with saying there is something wrong with me. And I'm okay with saying that. Right? Or thought for you. When's the last time you, you have done what John calls you to do right here, right? Verse nine, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just, and he will forgive us of all sins and, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But to, to confess means, I'm go God, I'm gonna share your opinion about my sin. I'm gonna have a conversation with you, with my own soul and with my maker of how I have drifted from you, of how I have become distant, of how I've become selfish. And I've, I've been a jerk to my family and to the people around me because I've been so much fighting for what I want and angry that I'm not getting it. When was the last time you admitted that to God or, or to your parents? The big theme of John is walking in the light, saying that there doesn't need to be darkness. There doesn't need to be places of hiding and, and secrecy I'm trying, to, trying so hard to manage. Nobody ever finds out about that. But I'm okay. I'm okay with being honest about where I'm at and how I'm struggling and, and ways that I've fallen into sin and ways that I've just foolishly embraced it one more time. And what, what John says here is you, you, you believe the right thing about yourself. This is what we get to experience Here's where he began. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to have the joy of reality. 
Listen, if, 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 you, if you lack joy in how you see the things that we've talked about tonight, if there's no affection, if there's no compelling, if there's no drawing toward the beauty and the uniqueness of Jesus as your Savior, chances are you, you've, been, you've been comfortable not being in a place of agreement with God. And, and in some cases, what gets undone a little bit there is the thing that we all want, assurance. We want to know we're real. And John kind of makes us uncomfortable for a little while, and he says, assurance is right here. You want to know that you're real? You do the hard work of owning that you're wrong and running to the only person who has the qualifications who can rescue you from that, and what you run right into is joy. Is our first test as we're studying through this letter, is believing God's truth about who we are and the hope that he provides. Let me close this out in prayer. Lord, in, in some ways, these are not new things. They are easy things to communicate, but they are not, because of that, easy things to receive. Lord, this is the difference between death and life. This is it's the difference between having assurance and remaining uncertain. And Lord, we, we, we know the challenge that is. So just pray for the help of your spirit. Lord, we, we have read tonight, it's the spirit who leads us into what is true. It's the spirit of truth. When, we, when we've been born of the spirit, we love what is true. And so we seek your spirit. We seek your help. Lord, we seek your convincing Lord, we, we believe bad thoughts, not on purpose, but because on some level they, they feel persuasive to us. They feel right. Lord, it, it, it feels like if I just stay at a place of vague thought with no real conviction about this truth, that's gonna be more comfortable in, in my friendships and how I'm viewed in this world. Lord, it, it, it feels right that I shouldn't take the risk of being known, of owning my failures, of confessing my sins. That, that's, gonna, that's gonna take away from me that sense that I'm accepted. Lord, may we not believe the lies but be own and receive your truth and walk in your joy. And Lord, Lord help us as we continue this study and we... We look at the other things that John wants to lead us into. Lord, we, we want to ask the right questions. We want to face these things. But Lord, we want to come away encouraged, knowing what is real. So help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, retrospect continues.